Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot oh. and finds the net. On TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. The WSL title race and battle against relegation are going down to the last day of the season. A dramatic Manchester derby victory means United are still in with a chance of pipping Chelsea. Good cross. This is Garcia. Stoppage time hero for Manchester United. Lucia Garcia off the bench to win it. Chelsea did their job earlier in the day, beating Arsenal by two goals to nil to close in on another WSL title. And Emma Hayes says if they do it, it will be her favourite one yet. The team has just grown the second half of the season. I thought we were so dominant, especially first half. Sometimes being 2 0 up, being so comfortable, Arsenal adjusted some things. I think the missed penalty made the game less interesting, but. Yeah, I think we showed today why we're champions. Either Leicester or Reading will be relegated next weekend with both teams on the end of defeats. Royals boss Kelly Chambers admits it will be tough for her side to survive. And the National League reached its conclusion. We'll speak to Watford's Helen Ward after their promotion back to the Women's Championship. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2. Happy Monday, you lovely lot. What a weekend we had in store. The wonderful Molly Hudson, Times football writer, was there to watch it all. Uh, we always thought that this weekend could be pivotal, Moll, in terms of the title race and the battle to avoid relegation. But it is going down to the wire. How do you feel? It is, and I think it was one of those days where I'd quite like to have been cloned and I could have been both at Kings Meadow and at Lee. That would have been great. Um, but I was at Kings Meadow and yeah, it was um it was a fun weekend, wasn't it? I guess I guess uh they got the drama they wanted with that really, really, really late winner for Manchester United. Yeah, we'll talk about that. That's going to be our our first topic. But I I know it feels as if Chelsea are going to beat Reading and that's going to be that. But you just don't know. Look, it's still alive. There's there's still a chance. And that's that's all you can ask for, really, isn't it? I think yesterday there was a scenario where literally everything pretty much could have been decided. And we haven't got that. So we're going to the final weekend. We love that. We love the drama. I think we we can definitely say this has been... Probably the closest title, um, and we'll look. We'll 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 talk about it later on. I'm sure, but it's it's certainly very interesting when you think this could be Chelsea's fourth successive title, but it doesn't really feel like we're in an era of dominance just because of how tight it really has been. Yeah, which is really exciting, isn't it? And uh, it finished Manchester United 2, Manchester City 1, a dramatic weekend ending at Lee Sports Village with United knowing that they needed a win, otherwise Chelsea would be crowned champions and Manchester City knew a win would keep them in the hunt for Champions League football next season. This game had absolutely everything, Molly, didn't it? An early goal from Hayley Ladd was an absolute cracker. They were out of the block so fast. It, re- it it really was, and this is such a cliche, so I apologise, but it really was a, a game of two halves. I think Manchester United, they just started so quickly and and City didn't really know how to deal with it. I mean, I, I guess it is something that we've said 
a few times this season that that maybe the one fault of United is is when they have been on top, maybe they haven't quite got that real clinical edge, real ability that the likes of Chelsea have to really kill a game off when they're on top. And look, when when you're only one nil up, it can all change, and that that's exactly what happened. But I think uh, again, and I I think we we briefly touched on this last week, but Nikita Paris has been in such good form these past few months. And I've just been so impressed with her. I think a lot of people really wrote her off, especially she actually struggled. She struggled when she was abroad. She, she's been struggling for England, didn't have a team, didn't really get much playing time at Arsenal. It's come into this Manchester United team. And when you get to this period of the season, what they don't really have is that experience of winning titles. And Paris has that in abundance and she's really hit the ground running at this period of the season, and I think she was a real problem for, for City, particularly early. Basically, everything that, that went well for United in those early periods, quite a lot of it came through Nikita. Yeah, it really did. Should Hayley Ladd have been sent off? I know Ellie Roebuck was, and I think the general consensus is that that was the right decision, although Gareth Taylor said he was on the fence with it and it was perhaps an orange. There is no such thing, Gareth, I'm afraid. Um, should Hayley Ladd have gone for that tackle on Bunny Shaw? Look, for me, I think... It's difficult because you, you see that Bunny Saw one and you think that's a penalty because we've seen them given where essentially she's she's gone for the ball. She's not intended to, you know, hurt Bunny Shaw or anything like that, but she's gone for the ball and as she swung through, she swung basically into the player. She's ended up kicking Bunny Shaw. But as bad as that was, and this won't make Manchester City feel any better at all, but then when you think back to the Chelsea game earlier in the season where Manchester United were denied two penalties. And you think, look, this is this is evening itself out. It doesn't mean it was the right decision in the game. And of course, Manchester City have a right to feel aggrieved because for me, it was a penalty. But you have to feel a bit for Manchester United with some of the decisions that have gone against them this season. So I think in a weird kind of way, it, it all it, they, probably, they probably deserved a bit of luck. Mm, he might be in a bit of trouble after his comments about the referee, Rebecca Welsh, uh, post-match on Sky Sports that I heard because he had a pop at her quite a few times during that. Um, let's talk about the super sub, though, Lucia Garcia with the winner in added time, that celebration uh, as well. A really interesting stat on uh, on Sky. Most goals by subs for Manchester United, 12 of them, closest with Chelsea with seven, which I found quite fascinating. But she's had a great season, Lucia Garcia. Yeah, and I think I think it's it's been quite interesting actually that it it looks very much as though either her or Paris will start, and so quite often it's been Paris has started, particularly in the latter end of this season. And I don't think it's been the wrong call because Paris has been playing well, but it just shows that they do have that depth now, and that's what you need to compete. And particularly looking ahead to next season, now knowing that they've competed, they've qualified for the Champions League, you just need. To, so many more players, so much more depth. And I think that's probably where United have had an advantage this season, that they didn't have to deal with the Champions League in any way. They weren't even in the qualifying phase that obviously City got knocked out of early on. So they had a bit more of a pre-season. They had less games. Now, over the course of a season, that, that goes a huge way into giving you an advantage. And I think that is what will be really interesting to see that we know United have closed this gap on the top three. We know they're there to compete. We know they've got quality players, but A, can they keep hold of them? And B, are they going to be able to balance the number of competitions that they're going to be in next season? Yeah, let's move on to Chelsea, shall we? Because earlier in the day, their last home game of the season saw them beat Arsenal 2-0 at Kings Meadow, following up their midweek victory over West Ham. Guru Wrighton and departing captain Magda Eriksson on the score sheet. Here's what both managers had to say. Chelsea's Emma Hayes, but first Arsenal's Jonas Eideveld. I think we, we go off to a slow start. They're very aggressive in their pressure. Uh, I think they build a lot of momentum uh, in the game. Uh, I think that was the disappointing part for us that we couldn't play out from their pressure in a better way. I'm proud of the players that we managed to turn the game around from a performance perspective. But because we're we don't converting any of the goal scoring opportunities, we don't manage to turn it around on a result perspective. They've been the top side all year and you know been well documented the players that they are missing today. But we're a different beast here. We really are. I think we're so dominant over a long period of time. And I think the confidence in our play 
has been getting there week on week, probably since March onwards. I can see the team peaking at the right time. You were at Kings Meadow, Molly. Did Chelsea look like champions to you? They did. And I think what was so impressive is, as you mentioned, it, it was the last game for, for Magda Eriksson, for Penilla Harder. And it's just the way they dealt with that whole situation because they're two key players that have given so much, particularly Magda, for Chelsea over the years. And, and you're missing real characters, real personalities in that dressing room. And, and they've kind of dealt with it pretty seamlessly and it felt like the perfect goodbye um, for for Magda, particularly the, when she scored, wheeling away, blowing a kiss to the crowd. It was, it was all like it was written. Um, and look, I think it was always going to be very, very difficult for Arsenal yesterday. You know, they're, they're, they're just absolutely battered with injuries. And I think... It shows that Chelsea, even though they didn't play their best football in that second half, they found a way to get it done. And look, I think they're pretty much, and again, we're really going for the cliches, but champions in waiting. That's what they are. And I think we all knew that, kind of speaking to Emma after the game. She was pretty exhausted. Um, it had been it'd been her her son, Harry, his, his um, fifth birthday last week. And she was like, oh, I had to take him into Cobham on Saturday. I've been working so many hours. So so while that that game was um, going on yesterday evening and they were trying to see if they were going to win the title, she was off on a bike ride, uh, giving Harry some ice cream um, as a thank you very much for dealing with mummy being at work far too many hours this week. So look, I think it's been a long old season. Everyone's quite ready for it to end, but... Look, Chelsea have ground it out and, and that's really what they do, isn't it? One more week, Emma. One more week, Molly. <laughs> then you get to sleep. Uh, just a quick one on Arsenal. You mentioned, obviously, the injuries. We know about that um, so well this season. Uh, they've always been a bit of a bogey team for, for Chelsea. But what, what was it that, apart from obviously missing a lot of a lot of players, what exactly did they lack in that game? Well, actually, they, they started really poorly um and again you know you can't do that to Chelsea you can't give them any kind of head start because they're going to take it and they're going to run with it um I think they were much improved um in the second half um Jonas Eidvall made made a change he, he took off Catherine Cool, who looks a really talented player but look she's only a teenager she she was certainly signed this season as a squad player with the intention of building her up into like a, a starter in the future she's had to be thrown in because of the injuries that we've mentioned, um, but he took her off at half time, brought Steph Catley on. It just changed the balance of the team. Um, Caitlin Ford hit the bar. Katie McCabe missed a penalty. So uh, when you think of it that way, it was pretty fine margins um, that did kind of go against them. But ultimately, Chelsea did did deserve to win that one. And look, it, it's been a really good addition to have. Jonas Eidevel's Arsenal in this league, it's made them competitive again in these big games because we saw in the past they'd go through pretty much the entire season doing really well. They'd get to the big games and they couldn't find a way to win or to get anything out of them. And they've shown this season that they have the capability to do that. And I think looking ahead to next season, it's really exciting to see, you know, an Arsenal that will bring more players in. I think Idaville said off the game that they've really learned this season they need more depth, albeit they've had so many injuries, to get those players back and to see just how close they can get, you know, when when Jonas does have a few more options to look out of the bench. Yeah, so the title race goes down to the final weekend. So does the battle to stay in the WSL. We'll discuss Reading and Leicester next. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's a wonder goal! The home for women's football. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Ruthers. Times football writer Molly Hudson is alongside me. Now, Leicester had the advantage of knowing Tottenham had beaten Reading when they took to the pitch at three o'clock on Sunday against West Ham. The Hammers, though, took the lead after 18 minutes through a Sophie Howard own goal. And Dagny Brynjars-Dottir made it two from the penalty spot in the second half after Howard's handball. Ruby Mace was sent off in the 94th minute 
for a second yellow before Hannah Kane pulled one back after the home side were awarded a penalty in the ninth minute of stoppage time. So a first win of the year for West Ham. It finished Leicester 1, West Ham 2. But Leicester will be kicking themselves for not taking advantage of a dominating performance where they had 26 shots but struggled to convert. They'll be so frustrated with this performance, won't they, Molly? Do you know what? It was a really, really bizarre game. I mean, you 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 look at the the West Ham opener, takes a massive deflection, and we've talked on the show about how how poor West Ham have been this year. Um, in total, you know, they they had the worst form in the league, really low on confidence, and sometimes that's exactly what you need. You just need a goal. Doesn't matter how it comes, how big a deflection it was, how unlikely it was to find the net, it it made its way in there. And I think you could see the boost that that, that gave West Ham. I think it it meant that when Leicester were coming forward, it wasn't as inevitable as it could have been. Then you look that it, it was a penalty, it was a handball. Leipzig, so close, it just goes under her body. It was just one of those games where nothing was really falling for Leicester. And I think, um, uh, look, Obviously, Willie Kirk is frustrated. Uh, uh, I heard him say it was a, it was a, it was a real missed opportunity this game, and and it was. But I think they'll be okay. I think it's uh, personally, it would go down as probably the biggest shock in women's Super League history if Reading get anything against the Chelsea side, who know they've got to get something in order to win the title. I mean, on paper, that just seems impossible. But you know what? It's football. It can happen. But I think even if Leicester lose, I think they won't want to say it, but I think they'll be pretty confident that Reading aren't going to get anything and they'll just do enough to stay up. And maybe it won't be the grand ending to the season, but we have to remember this really is a great escape. You know, we I, I had to check the other day. I had to go back and check. Leicester had zero points, zero points coming into this year. And that's remarkable to stay up. You've, you've just given everyone a whole half a season head start. And Willie Kirk has to, you know, take a huge, huge amount of credit for that, despite the fact that, you know, maybe they'll only they'll only stay up with a whimper in the end. Yeah, it's Brighton for them in the final game of the season. We thought that that could be the relegation decider. But as you say, it is between Leicester and, and Reading. And by the way... I think I remember you saying in around about December time that it would be an absolute miracle if Leicester stayed up. So you just don't know whether Leicester, whether Reading could provide their own miracle. And you mentioned Willie Kirk there, you know, nil point at the start of 2023 when Willie Kirk took over from Lydia Bedford. How impressive would that be if they do stay up? I think I think it would be very, very impressive. And I think we were speaking earlier in the season, Leicester were a bit of a weird one because behind the scenes, they've got quite a lot right. They've invested in their women's team. They're, they're, they're playing at the King Power. They've got a really good training training ground. The facilities are there, but something on the pitch just wasn't quite clicking. And obviously we all know that when things aren't going to plan, you have to make that leap and you have to, you know, sadly get rid of your manager. But Sometimes that can go one of two ways. And I think what what Leicester did so well was recognise that Willie Kirk, who was already there, he was already in a different role at the club. They went, you know what? We can't get anybody better than what we already have internally. So put him in, give him the chance as a manager. And look, he's been fantastic. And you, you watch that Leicester City side now and, you know, they've been significantly better than Reading, probably Brighton, West Ham, it's just the fact that they they were coming from so far behind because of how awful their start for the season was. So I think it, it's, it's really positive for the league, I think, that Leicester have stayed up because it's almost a reward for what they've done behind the scenes and how they've supported the team. And I know it's very, very difficult if you're a Reading and, you know, you don't have as big a men's team to back you. And obviously we know Kelly Chambers has done fantastic for that club over the years. But I think... Overall, for the league, it's good that, that Leicester hopefully will will stay up and really be able to build on this. And, and with Willie Kirk, you know that hopefully they can then take this and not be in that relegation battle next season, if, if you think of the, the form they've showed since, since the turn of the year. 
Yeah, I mean, they had a bit of an escape, really, Leicester, because they knew that a win would, would send Reading down after Kelly Chambers' side lost to Tottenham, who secured their own safety with an emphatic 4-1 victory. Beth England and Celine Bizet putting the home side 2-0 up at half-time before England. And the returning kick, Graham, doubled the score. Justine Van Hevermat scored a consolation for Reading. First and foremost, let's deal with what it means for Spurs. They're safe. It has been really nervy times for them uh, this season, but this performance perhaps showed why they deserve to stay in the WSL, Molly. Uh, I think I I tweeted on Saturday, Beth England for £250,000 might be the best £250,000 that Tottenham Hotspur have ever spent. And we we talk a lot in the women's game about transfer fees and they don't happen that often. It's pretty rare that you actually see a club go out and pay money to get a player. Quite often, contracts are short. You don't need to do that. They just come to the end and you pick up the player for free. This really is worthy of that £250,000. Beth England's goals, whichever way you look at it, have kept Tottenham Hotspur in the Women's Super League. Imagine how embarrassing that would have been for a team the size of Tottenham Hotspur, who clearly haven't got things right on the women's side for whatever reason. How embarrassing would that have been for them to go down to a, to a championship that's not even a professional second tier. And they took they took, they took that, they used that money, they got Beth England, and she scores goals. It's as simple as that. She's kept them up. She's been fantastic. She's been fantastic even when Tottenham Hotspur haven't been playing well. And look, I think Vicky Jepsen tweeted it, it. It's the end of the pressure cooker. I can imagine when you're in that environment, you're, you're wearing that badge. You know, the, it, you just can't go down. Like, we, we saw what happened to Liverpool, and that's what's happening in the Women's Super League at the moment. The The sand is shifting so quickly. The level is rising so quickly. If you don't get those decisions right internally, away from the pitch, you're in danger of going down. There, there, there's nothing that's going to save you. There's no reputation sort of... You don't get points for reputation in this league. So I think it was just a fantastic, fantastic move to bring in Beth England and I certainly hope for her sake that Tottenham can now build on this because she's a fantastic player. She's too good to be fighting relegation. And hopefully now, you know, we've seen the likes of Manu Ibuchi as well. Hopefully they'll be able to build on that. And again, they they have the infrastructure and the, the ability off the pitch to really push that team to, you know, to be wearing Aston Villa are, for example, who have got those things right off the pitch. So I think that's really the challenge for Tottenham now to to take this scare, this relegation scare, and to use it to propel them up the table. Yeah, let's focus on Reading, though. Two points adrift with their final match against a team looking to secure the title, as Molly said earlier, Chelsea. We said they needed a miracle, Molly. They, they, they certainly do. And I think the general consensus is they probably won't get it. And I feel as if Kelly Chambers also might sit on that side of the fence as well. So in that case, what does... Reading Women's Football Club look like in the championship? Yeah, I think you're right. I think Kelly probably knew after that game that that, that was probably it. And and I, I was watching a little bit of it this morning and they actually had quite a few chances from set pieces. It's not like the opportunities weren't there. We know Tottenham haven't been the, the greatest team defensively this season. So I think that will be a real frustration. I think what we know is the championship is so difficult to get out of. It's so, so difficult to get out of. And I think there's almost got to be a realisation that if you want to get back into the Women's Super League, you need to do things properly. You you, you take a Bristol City, for example, that they went down for the Women's Super League their first season. They didn't come straight back up. They made sure they had the, the, the foundation almost in place to then come up and it, it, certainly speaking to, to people from Bristol, we, we've we've had some on the show. They feel as though that season really helped them and now they feel in a much better place to come back up to the WSO. And I think that's that's what Reading need to do. But I think maybe the biggest question is, is will Kelly Chambers be there to, to really spearhead that project? Because she's the one largely that has fought against, you know, the lowest budget in the league. She's got, She's got the real full potential from a lot of those players that, you know, maybe another manager might not have. And look, we've we've just spoken about Tottenham. If I'm Tottenham and you're looking for a manager to push you forward, I'll be ringing up Kelly Chambers. So 
look, I think I think it's going to be difficult for Reading. And and if Chambers was to leave, then it's even more difficult because you're you're starting in a new league with a whole load of competitive clubs. You're on a downward trajectory, and so many clubs in the Championship are really on an upward trajectory in terms of their investment and their plan for their women's team. So I think it's going to be very very difficult, but. I don't think this is the last we'll see of Kelly Chambers in the Women's Super League. Right, next we'll wrap up the rest of the weekend's action and take a look at some other news from the past week. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's a wonder goal! The home for women's football. Hold that please, level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi, now the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what, sorry? The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus of the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Rothers, and Times football writer Molly Hudson. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so just go ahead and download it today. Uh, right, a couple of other uh, WSL results to wrap up for you. Aston Villa and Liverpool played out a thrilling three-all draw at Villa Park. Carla Ward's side have confirmed fifth place. Uh, Rachel Daly has also taken her tally to 21 goals for the season as she closes in on the golden boot. Kirsty Hansen had put the home side ahead before Liverpool's Katie Stengel and Natasha Dowie made it 2-1. Uh, Daly equalised just before half-time before Stengel put the away side ahead again, but Hansen scored her second of the match. Uh, equalising on 70 minutes. Still no away victory for Liverpool the whole season. Uh, finally, Everton beat Brighton 2-1 after a 91st-minute winner from Hannah Benison. Casey Robinson had equalised for Brighton just before half-time, lobbing the keeper. It means Everton finish sixth and the highest Brighton can finish is ninth. Uh, I'm going to focus on England with these two games, Molly. Rachel Daly's goals and Katie Robinson coming into her own this season. Exciting time times potentially yeah I think there's there's a couple of of interesting things there firstly the Katie Robinson goal um would would urge the listeners to go and watch it um it's very very similar to a lot of goals she scored this season she just has this knack of racing in behind the defense drawing the keeper out and then lobbing her I'm, I'm sure I've seen her score the identical goal earlier this season um she's she's been in really good form I think that's going to be a very difficult selection headache for Serena Viedman because there's quite a few players in form in those wide areas. We mentioned Akita Paris earlier on, um, and it'll be quite interesting to see whether she goes for a youthful kind of player, but, you know, Jess Park's probably in that consideration as well, or whether she goes with somebody like Paris, who is a lot more experienced, has dealt with major tournaments. But for me, I'm interested on your thoughts on this as well. We've got Rachel Daly 
fantastic form, going to win the golden boot. How can you not start off at England? You've got Beth England basically single-handedly keeping Tottenham Hotspur in the Women's Super League. And Alessia Russo is, as of the moment, your starting striker for England. I would arguably say she could be the third most informed striker at the moment for England. So what would you do? I think you've got to take all three of them because you're going to have to potentially use Rachel Daly as a left back um, because of the defensive issues that are there. And I think that that is a shame from Rachel Daly's point of view because of what she can do. But equally, we've seen Serena Wiegmann shift um, uh, shift tactics in second halves and pretend, you know we've seen Millie Bright go up front previously so she could if needed utilise Rachel Daly's goal scoring threat from a left back position as well I mean what a potent force that would end up being but I think all three have got to go um, and, and I will be so intrigued if, if Beth England is not on that list as to why she's not on that list and I don't think I'm the only one who's going to feel like that um, midweek Everton's 19 year old striker Aggie Beaver-Jones, who's on loan from Chelsea, you'll remember, was sent off for a poor challenge on Leah Volti in Arsenal's 4-1 win. Volti was stretched off. The good news is the Swiss captain's injury not as bad as first thought, meaning she could still make the World Cup. But Aggie Beaver-Jones received some terrible abuse online for the tackle and had to put out a statement saying that she'd never intentionally harm another player. Leah Volti then backed her up on social media as well, saying football is a contact sport. I mean... Abuse that we see regularly in the men's game is definitely creeping into the women's game, Molly. I'm noticing. How, how do we go about stopping it? Yeah, I think it. I think it's very difficult. I think it's very frustrating because you watch the tackle, and anybody that's watched football knows that Aggie Beaver Jones has clearly just miscontrolled the ball. Is desperate to earn it back as a you know as you would be, and mistimed the challenge. Yes, it's not a good challenge. Of course, it isn't. But like, she's obviously not. It's not like a horrible purposely injuring her tackle so that's firstly it's quite frustrating to think people would actually believe that um and secondly it's just look we talk a lot in women's football about how thankfully at the moment we don't have as much racism we don't have as much homophobia we have this instead it's like you can't possibly just watch the football and enjoy the football um and and not have some kind of negative element creeping in as the interest has grown which is a shame because at the end of the day look all of these players are humans they're all you know all of this abuse that she was getting sent she she had to turn her instagram comments off because people were finding pictures from five months ago and sending her abuse in the comments it's like what are you doing why are you doing this um but sadly and we say it about racism we say it about homophobia these people are the absolute worst in society but they come and watch football. They're football fans. They might not be be watching football in the stadiums in women's football, but they're online. They're behind their keyboard. And it's very, very hard to stop anything like that, unfortunately, because that's that's just an element of society. Yeah, it makes me really, really angry. I do feel as if more punishments are going to have to be dished out in this circumstance to make people realise they can't do that. And as you say players it are humans i don't even know why we have to even repeat that it's utterly ridiculous um what's been going on up in scotland has been fantastic to watch congratulations to glasgow city who secured their 16th scottish title after lauren davidson's stoppage time winner against reigning champions rangers at ibrox it had looked as if celtic were about to win their first title on goal difference they beat hearts 2-0 but that late victory for glasgow city snatched it out of their hands meaning that they have to settle for the second Champions League spot and Rangers finish third so just miss out um, it's, look it's going down to the wire in the WSL it went down to the wire in the SWPL it, 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 there's drama across the board but it's quite exciting north of the border at the moment Molly I think what's fantastic to see is I remember a few years ago speaking when, when Scott Booth was um, at Glasgow City actually um, and I remember speaking to him about the how difficult it was to, to be a team that they were qualifying for the Champions League but they were still part time. They were, you know, they they were this almost like fairy tale dream story of this tiny little club able to play in Europe against these big teams. And what's so impressive about what they're doing there is now Celtic, now Rangers. They've woken up. They've realised belatedly that women's football is something they should invest in. And they're not just running away with it. They're not just winning. They haven't just cast aside little old Glasgow City. They're still managing to win. And I think. 
for the almost the football purist, that's what you want to see, isn't it? You you want to see that it, it's not just about money and investment. It's the people that you have, the club, the environment you have. And look, it was it was fantastic drama. I was following it all on Twitter yesterday, and you know, absolute congratulations for Glasgow City because it would have been easy to just think, you know, what we can't compete with the Celtic, we can't compete with the Rangers, and. And look, imagine winning it um, at Ibrox. Just incredible drama for, for everyone there. Yeah, really, really was. Um, i tell you what was really interesting to watch. And uh, for anybody who missed it, I, I urge you to take a look at, at Football Focus. BBC Sport have tweeted out the segment that they put on their show on Saturday showing the use of VAR during the Women's FA Cup final last weekend. I've been lucky enough to be part of uh, the PGMOL, which looks after um, match officials in, in the UK of them showing broadcasters exactly how the process of VAR works. And I've actually been in Stockley Park when it was first introduced a few seasons ago and tried it myself. And believe me, it is a real, like it's an intense operation. And they're doing amazing things at the moment, the PGMOL. We've had Bibby Steinhouse-Webb, head of the women's game uh, for the PGMOL, on the show previously to discuss what they're trying to do, make it more transparent, obviously in terms of female officials uh, try and raise the standard because they they are amateur Um, and it's really important. And I don't know if you saw this, Molly, as well. I'm I'm presuming you you did. It, It was fascinating to see, particularly because there was a contentious issue with Nikita Paris's penalty that wasn't a penalty. We thought, you know, on second viewing, it looked outside the box. But to watch and hear the process of how they came to that decision was was really interesting, I think. What I always find very interesting when um, when the PGMOL do these things, and obviously they've they've done it for for um, the men's Premier League as well, it it's when you hear what is going on in the referee's ear while they're running around, while they're watching everything all at once. They're speaking to the players on the pitch, and then there's someone in their ear talking to them all the time, and they're constantly communicating with the other officials. And I'm like, that's pretty impressive multitasking. I'm not sure I could do that. Um, but what I found really interesting, and I would echo what you said for, for people that might have missed it. I missed it. I watched it this morning. Um, and it was really interesting to hear the, the thing the fans and pundits often hate about when to raise the flag when it's offside. And it was interesting to hear the the lineswoman, who I have forgotten the name of, who was um, in this FA Cup final was getting congratulated for her timing of flag. And we saw it with the opening goal, the Leah Golden goal that was ruled offside correctly. It was allowed for the play to run on because it then allowed VAR to check just in case the Lions woman would have got that decision wrong. And then the goal could have been awarded. And I think that was really interesting that the referees are doing what they're supposed to do. If pundits then complain about it, well... It's not the official's problem. They've done the right thing. Um, So I found that very interesting. And also the fact that in the women's game, Emily Heaslip, the referee, wouldn't have had that experience before because we don't have um, VAR in our domestic league. It's not like the Premier League where the men's officials then go on and do the FA Cup and they're used to it. So I think it was really interesting to see the work that they're doing. And there was almost a little bit of not work in progress because they completely got the decisions right. But it was like... Yeah, it was like having that sort of reinforcement of, yes, you're doing this right from the people that were that were in the office. And I thought that was really interesting. Again, you just see the the human side of the officials and imagine kind of how much pressure they're under in that moment in probably the biggest moment of Emily Heaslip's career. And look, thankfully for all of us that we don't have to sit here and discuss wrong decisions, they got the decisions right. And I, I actually thought it was really good refereeing in that game. Yeah, it was. And actually what I find really fascinating is we're at that point where people um, jump on the referee straight straight away, but the PGMOL are actually highlighting when they have made an error and saying this is what we're doing to, to make it better, which you, you can't ask for more than that. It's, it's a process and the game is played at such speed that it's very difficult to, uh, to keep up with at, at some points. And um, yeah, fascinating, doing some great work. Right, this is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Rothers. Molly Hudson is with me coming up. We're going to speak to Watford's Helen Ward on their promotion back to the Championship. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's a wonder goal! The home for women's football.
You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others, and Times football writer Molly Hudson. We are available on podcast as well, don't forget. Plenty of places you can download us, but first head to the TalkSport app to find us. You can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well. Molly, looking ahead to the Women's World Cup, you tweeted out the other day that a deal brokered by the European Club Association has been reached with club and country over new recommended dates for the Women's World Cup warm-up camps to start between the 23rd and 29th of June. That's a compromise on the FIFA window stating the 10th of July, which would give teams 10 or 11 days to prepare. England obviously had originally planned to meet up on the 19th of June. Do you know if they've changed that date now? How is this affecting preparations? As I understand it, the FA are keen to crack on regardless and continue with June the 19th, which I don't think is going to be hugely well received by clubs who already feel like they've kind of made a bit of a compromise going with this 23rd to 29th window. I think a few other nations seem to have shifted their plans back a little bit, but I think the argument from the FA is that they'd already worked with specialists in player welfare. They 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 believe that June the 19th is the right date to start. And they're also giving players weekends off. So they feel as though, look, Monday to Friday, have your weekend off, go and see your family, switch off mentally, physically. They believe that it's still the right date. Now, they're hoping that will continue, that players will release them. As of yet, we haven't heard anyone say, no, I'm not letting my player go. Um But yeah, it's quite interesting that the FA haven't just shifted their plans four days, which for me would have been an an easier PR win, I suppose. But look, Serena Veguin, she's she's pretty adamant what she's doing is the right thing to do. She's been like that through her her whole tenure. And look, who are we to argue? It's it's worked pretty well so far. So yeah, uh, it's it's one to keep an eye on as as that date um, comes closer. Yeah, definitely. Bit of other international news for you. Hope Powell has joined England's backroom team for the men's under-20s World Cup in Argentina, which starts on Saturday. She's going to be their technical advisor. England faced Tunisia in their first game on Monday. Uh, Now, as we've discussed previously, the Women's National League has been absolutely incredible this season. Competitive, fun. So many leagues have gone down to the wire. And the FA announced that next season there will be two clubs from the Southern Premier and Northern Premier going into the championship with two teams relegated as a result but this year it was just the one and the winners of the Southern Division Watford faced the winners of the Northern Division, Nottingham Forest in a playoff final at Stadium MK this weekend. A 1-0 victory for Watford after Poppy Wilson's first half header was the difference between the two teams and I'm delighted to say Wales all-time leading goalscorer and a player who's just finished her career with Watford Helen Ward joins us. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm now officially a former footballer. You could, you could have been the first person to introduce me as former footballer Helen Ward. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know why I didn't? Because I didn't want to insult you. I thought, <laughs> is it too soon? No, uh, listen, I hear, I hear now as a former footballer, you can go out and get absolutely trashed until silly o'clock in the morning because a little birdie told me that they left the promotion party at 3am and you were still going strong. Oh, I wonder who that little birdie was. Uh, I reckon it wasn't too long after 3am. I got home at 4, so whether I left at 3 or not, I'm not sure. But um, it's not something I do very often with two kids at home. I'm sure any parent knows that you don't get the chance to do that. And if you do get the chance to do that, then the next day is not too fun. Um, But thankfully, my mum was on hand to take my two rascals off me on Sunday. So very much made the most of celebrations at the weekend. Um, And yeah, it's not something I'm going to get used to. I don't think I can handle it. but it was it was a great weekend and obviously a, a fabulous way to finish off the season and my career. Yeah, as a mum of a 19-month-old, I very rarely drink anymore. <laughs> Just yeah, cannot you, handle you it. You can't do it to yourself. <laughs> no, absolutely. But I mean, promotion at the first time of asking, how much of an achievement is, is that? Yeah, I mean, we all that, that was the target all along, almost from the minute the whistle went at the end of last season. Um, it was obviously heartbreaking the way it happened against Coventry at Vicarage Road last year, but the the target was always to try and bounce straight back up because firstly, we know how difficult tier three is becoming to get out of, you know, obviously now it's changing and there won't be a playoff to decide it. But in terms of the teams and the clubs that are, that are at that level, it's only getting stronger. So for us, it was a case of, right, we have to regroup really quickly. Um, we recruited really well 
Damon came in as head coach with with his staff as well and just injected a, a new lease of life into the team. And those of us that were still around from last season, we we had to brush it off and focus again. And you know, it's been it's been a great season. We've we've played some brilliant football. There's been times where it's looked like it may not happen, and obviously right down to the last day where we had to rely on on a result elsewhere. But we felt we always had that belief that we could do it. And even when there were moments we were down, we were still relentless and gave ourselves every opportunity. And it was just amazing to be part of something so special. And as I said, although that belief was always there, it doesn't, you know, until it actually happens, you can't relax at all. And, you know, it was an outpouring of emotion and relief and everything else in between on, on Saturday afternoon. And, you know, commiserations to Forest because they're a fantastic side and fully deserved their title win and having come up against them and lost to them in the League Cup as well. We knew how good they, they are and they, you know, I'm sure that they're going to have a similar bounce back story next season because they're a great football club and, you know, they deserve their moment too. And do you think it's the right move to 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 scrap that game? Because it, it feels so cruel that two teams who have, have won their leagues you know, should should really get promoted. And then there's someone that's the loser, not only of that game, but almost like their entire season has been scrapped and they're having to start all over again. It it, it certainly to us on this show, we've talked about it, it feels like a real bottleneck for the women's women's pyramid. Yeah, certainly does. Um, I think it's it's a huge decision to change it now. Um, you know, we can say it should have happened sooner, but it it hasn't and you know that that's what it is and we knew going into this season that the case would be we'd have to win a playoff if we were going to go up um but i'm i'm delighted that it's not going to be the case anymore it makes a, the championship more competitive as well um having two spaces to go down it's you know you can't just sort of hope that you beat the teams around you and and that's enough there's going to be a lot more competition there as well which is is only good for the game but as i said before there's so many clubs now that are investing in their teams and producing great players um Players are taking the gamble to go down into tier three as well. We have played a lot of games at a higher level and, and we're fortunate that we've had a lot of players do that for us as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's fantastic news and it can only be a good thing for the game. I think the next step is then to exp- expand both the championship and WSL because I think there's teams, again, that are ready to make that step up. Um, but that's hopefully something that's in the pipeline for the next few years because I think that'll be a game changer as well. We don't want to start holding teams and clubs back that are are willing to put their money where their mouth is, if you like, and, and really invest in their teams. And, you know, we've seen big crowds at games in Tier 3 this season as well, so the, the appetite is there. Um, and it's just a case of making sure we do things in the right way. Don't rush it. Don't don't go too big too soon. Um, but things are certainly moving in the right direction. And as I said, there's some really, really good teams and, and some fantastic players playing at Tier 3 who deserve that opportunity to have something to play for. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It has to it has to be done on the right timeline. I think everybody wants expansion of of the leagues, but you've got to make sure that everybody who's in that expanded league is is, is capable of of getting through the season, and and we don't end up with uh, with problem clubs mm-hmm. who aren't investing enough money for for sure. And I mean, to to win the league on goal difference like you did after Ipswich and Oxford United pushed you all the way, then having to go and win a playoff. I mean, mm. <laughs> you've definitely done it done it the hard way and worked for it what what do you learn going into the championship again from that season that you were relegated I think we learned loads of things I think you know from this season we've learned that small moments could turn out to be big moments you know you mentioned it's on goal difference and scoring two or three late goals in games that win it five or six nil instead of three or four those have made the difference for us. And I think it's making sure that you appreciate and take every moment that comes because it could add up to something big. And I think we can use that next year as well. Um, in terms of the championship itself, I think how the how we went up last time through upward movement, we didn't find that out until I think the 1st or 2nd of June um, in, in 2021, 22. I'm confused what year we're in. Whichever year we last went up, um, 21. Um, and I think that sort of set us on a sort of, we were behind the other teams already at that point in terms of recruiting and getting things in place off the pitch. So I think knowing where we're at now is good. We've got a lot more time to sort of put things in place. And I think we're learning all the time how much is going on in the teams and the clubs above where they're investing lots more, not just money, but just resources, um, 
and infrastructure is is changing all the time and, and we've got to catch up with that it's a very different division to the one we first came out of what six years ago five years ago um, and again it's even more different again since a year ago when we fell out of it last time so we know there's work to do off the pitch and on the pitch um, but I think the squad that we've got going up is a really good core there that have got more than enough to compete and if we can add one or two experienced players who know how to win at that level that's going to really help us along the way and, and help those younger players that have now got a season under their belts of being an important player in a winning team I think that goes a long way too so there's lots of different things that, to factor in we know it's not going to be easy and to start saying we've got ambitions of finishing top half or anything like that I think that would be too much but the ambition and the aim is to stay up and what comes from there you know anybody can guess but yeah, lots of lessons to to learn, lots of things to put into place, but I'm excited and I'm confident that this this club can go up there and make an impression. Brilliant. Just just quickly to finish, Helen, you know, former footballer now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what next for you? I know you do a lot of media and I understand you're going to be an ambassador um, for Watford Women going forward as well. But what does the next few months and, and year ahead look like for you? Yeah, it's um, it's certainly going to be a, a new challenge and a new chapter in my life, but one I'm I'm really looking forward to and I'm excited for. Um, as you mentioned, the ambassador role, Watford means an awful lot to me, and they've done done so much for me. So if I can help in any way, give some back to to the club and the community, that's that's hopefully what I'm going to be able to do in that role. I hope to be part of the the women's team in terms of you know day to day as well in some form. Um, what that looks like just yet, I'm not sure. Maybe a little bit of coaching, maybe sort of working in between the players and the staff um, but we've got conversations to have I hope also to to keep working with the FAW in some capacity as well both organisations mean mean a lot to me and, and have done so much for me and my family over the years and you know I'd love to try and stay connected in any way possible and yeah as you said the media and the broadcasting stuff I'm really enjoying what I've done so far so I'm available to anyone that wants me um, right okay <laughs> next guest up on uh, full, full show for Helen Ward coming up yeah, I will, anytime, I will be messaging you, know. you I will be messaging you with the calendar that's Amazing. for sure Helen always a pleasure take care thank you very much we'll speak to you soon will do and Thanks from a Luton much. fan by the way congratulations Watford sticks in my craw a little bit but congratulations as a Rob Edwards fan I wish you luck at Wembley <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much take care Helen thank Cheers. you brilliant stuff there Watford's Helen Ward now former footballer uh, right that's it Molly always a pleasure to talk to you thank you have a good week try and get some sleep if you can ahead of the uh, the ultimate last day of the season thank you for having me can you say ultimate last day of the season it's just the last day of the season isn't it I don't know why I needed to use the word ultimate anyway we are down to the final day of the WSL season with the championship and relegation still to be decided next week we'll be going through the whole thing thank you to Molly Hudson Helen World producer Will and of course all of you as ever for listening don't forget if you miss any of the show live you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app or listen back throughout the week Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. At TalkSport, we absolutely love it when our fans get stuck in. That's why we want you to join us in The Dugout, a brilliant new talk sport listener community. It's a place where you can tell us what sports you're into and who your favourite teams are. And tell us what you think we could do better, like big guests and new sports and that. You could win an Amazon voucher for taking part. What are you waiting for? Visit talksport.com dugout and get stuck in. 18 plus, terms and conditions apply.